I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. And I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive. I am so, so sorry for everything that has happened. Because in spite of what Mike says now, it is my fault. Because it was my project. And I insisted. I insisted on everything. I insisted that we weren't lost. I insisted that we keep going. I insisted that we walk south. Everything had to be my way. And this is where we've ended up. And it's all because of me that we're here now. Hungry and cold and hunted. I love you, Mom. my eyes. I'm scared to open them. Ghostface, I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I am the eater of wolves and of children. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Welcome to another witchy installment of the greatest, greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 194, The Blair Witch Project. A movie I feel like we talk about a decent amount. Like, it just comes up over time because I think it was just such a unique thing at the time and was so 
obviously such a huge success, but it's weird because it has, we, we did Book of Shadows for the show before this. Yeah, I didn't really know how much we were going to talk about Book of Shadows Probably or us doing Book of Shadows. <laughs> well, that's it. Let's move on from it now. <laughs> we did an audio commentary. Was that our first one or did we do, I think we did She's the Man before that. Yeah. Anyway, unlike Halloween 3, which we unironically like. Right. Book of Shadows, I would say we sort of ironically like. It's a terrible movie. But the yeah. original, The Blair Witch Project, was a phenomenon. But also, the reason we probably mention it and talk about it a lot still in our daily lives is because, at least for me, it was such a eye-opening experience about filmmaking, about indie filmmaking, about oh, yeah. DIY filmmaking. and. Even though I never became a filmmaker myself and never really went down that path at all or even tried to, I've always been impressed by it. And yeah, absolutely. In awe of it, really. And I know that, like, in 2020, it's not a movie that people particularly care about. Sure. It was more of like this was something that meant something for a time period, and now it doesn't really hold up for people to yeah. watch on their TVs every year or anything like that. It kind of fit perfectly into this time period with like where the internet was at the time and like yeah, starting exactly. to use like other outlets as a as a way to market something like the whole marketing plan for this movie was like awesome like i i feel like i mean this came out during the era when i was like watching wrestling i remember <laughs> like seeing the trailers between like monday night raw or something you know where it's just coming up with the verbiage about these people that disappeared and like this is their footage and we're releasing it as a movie <laughs> oh well at the time, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. It's impossible to explain now because it makes zero sense. Yeah, like, but why would you buy that? people believed that this was real. Not everyone, and not, no, no. not even a majority of people, but there were people that seemed to either think it was real or that it was maybe real. They weren't convinced. But even considering it for a second is ridiculous. Yet, right. somehow, the movie marketed itself that way, and it completely worked, and captured everybody's imaginations in the summer of 99 including having fake websites with police reports on yeah. it redacted it was the, the first movie that used the internet almost exclusively to market itself and it, it was almost like a viral marketing campaign even down to fake imdb information and fake websites and all this scripted news interviews and fake footage and all yeah. this stuff to really go with the idea the actors in the film used their real names it was a whole thing and people really bought into it and even if you didn't believe it was quote-unquote real they were making it seem real enough that it was fun yeah it was fun to get swept up in it and the movie if you saw it in the theater with big crowds i would have to imagine that you're swept up in the idea that it's real because when you read user reviews on imdb or stuff that are written more recently and people are like this is stupid it's just rocks and sticks <laughs> it's the camera's too shaky it's just people screaming yeah. names it's like yeah a lot of that stuff is true but you're you're not getting the context of this movie it's weird i feel like the last time i watched this movie the shaky camera actually did bother me but then this time it didn't so we I, saw it I in the know. theater like a year or two you know ago. what maybe that's what it was seeing it in the theater because i did have a memory of the shaky camera bothering me a little bit in a way that it hadn't really before and then i just watched it recently for this episode and I, it didn't bother me at all like it didn't even yeah it didn't really bother me it's a movie that i've surprisingly seen a lot of times 
I don't know how many times I've seen it in total. I, yeah, I feel I'm like thinking I, around 10, which is a high number. Yeah, probably same for me, too. I definitely like 7, 8, nine, yeah, in that range. But I would say I definitely went on like a long span of not seeing it. There was a, a long stretch in the 2000s where I think I didn't watch it at all. Again, that might seem crazy to younger people who weren't really around or conscious of the hype around this film in 99 because I think if you see this movie for the first time years and years later once it's clearly just a fake movie that came out 20 years ago and you're not seeing it in a theater you're not seeing it with your friends in the dark or whatever it's very easy to just dismiss this as boring and nothing happens but the Blair Witch Project to me is not only a lesson in do-it-yourself filmmaking but also marketing and how things can be done successfully. And I find it enjoyable enough. Whereas one of the movies that came out post Blair Witch that sort of borrowed the found footage aspect, Paranormal Activity, never really appealed to me very much for some reason. I never really got it, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'm not crazy about Paranormal Activity. I actually kind of like the third one the best <laughs> i feel like we say this every time yeah in no, our okay. conversations about, about this. it yeah yeah the third one is is fun yeah the one that takes place in the 80s and it's like vhs right stuff. right yeah but yeah the first time i ever saw this movie there was certainly like a tension there i mean obviously i was younger and it, it all builds to like this end scene that's kind of like a shocking sight but like now i, I feel no tension in the movie you know no I mean? no not really no before we get too far along let's remind our listeners to follow the show on twitter at greatest pod subscribe on podbean and apple podcasts give us a rating and review i hope you're enjoying this expanded greatest october yeah let us know your thoughts for new listeners who might be confused as to what's happening every october we call it the greatest october we do horror themed episodes This year, we decided to blow it out into September, leading up to episode number 200. Yeah. I would say it's our favorite time of the year. Yeah. I don't know if the listeners necessarily agree. Maybe some do. I think so. But we definitely embrace it. Horror movies has a special place in my heart, that's for sure. Totally. The Blair Witch Project was written, directed, and edited by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. By the way, always a good sign that something isn't real when it ends and says written and directed by well i was wondering if the credits that you see on the blu-ray now were what played in the theater oh, and i true. wasn't I sure know. yeah i don't know because yeah you see things like production designer and stuff like that <laughs> yeah i don't know i didn't really see that in my research not like i really spent a lot of time digging into it and i did not see this in the theater Nor i wasn't I. really old enough i guess i, I must have been like 15 i just don't I remember like my cousin seeing it and telling us about the ending and he was acting like it was the scariest thing ever. But I don't think I saw it until it was on video like a couple years later maybe. I think the weird thing about the ending for me is like the first time I ever saw it, I didn't know what it meant. Cuz like to, you, yeah, you, you have, have to go to back really to that other attention. story. Yeah. Well, he explained all of this stuff to us and okay. I hadn't seen it. So yeah, like yeah. by the time I saw the movie, I knew like what the the gotcha. standing against the right. wall thing was. The Blair Witch Project is based on the purportedly true story of three student filmmakers, Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard, who hike in the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland in 1994 to film a documentary about a local legend known as the Blair Witch. The three disappeared, but their equipment and footage is discovered a year later. The purportedly recovered footage, 
quote-unquote, is the film that we, the viewer, sees. So the legend of the Blair Witch first started being conceived by Myrick and Sanchez in 93. And I think that's something important that maybe not everyone fully understands. Everything about this movie is fake. Right. Including the legend of a Blair Witch. There's no pre-existing legend of a Blair Witch. That was all concocted for the movie. I wish at least that part was real. It'd be nice, but it isn't. They wrote a 35-page screenplay with the idea that the dialogue would be mostly improvised between the actors. Production began in October of 1997. Principal photography took place for eight days. 20 hours of footage was then edited down to 82 minutes. The original budget was between 35 and 60,000. Final cost somewhere between 200 and 750,000 after post-production. And then it would go on to earn a staggering $248.6 million at the box office, which wow. for a while made it, yeah. by percentage, the most successful movie ever. Yeah, I don't know if large, that still stands uh, or not. I'm not really sure. Margin. Yeah. The film used viral marketing, which at that point was not really even a phrase. Yeah, no. Primarily via the internet, using faux police reports, newsreel-style interviews, missing or presumed dead signs these students were considered that they always would refer to them as if they were missing or dead and imdb played along and had their information as such because these were unknown actors at the time they didn't have like credits already and imdb of course was new because the internet was still new that's awesome i didn't know that part that imdb had something up there i guess i wouldn't have thought of imdb like at this time yeah i think imdb was still trying to get traction probably By August of 99, the Blair Witch website, which had all this information, had received 160 million hits. Imagine going into this movie (laughs) and thinking it was 100% real, okay? You're one of these people that is convinced that this is real. You're, like, buying into it. And so you leave the theater and you're, like, kind of... You, like, go to, like, Eaton Park or something for some food afterwards and you're just, like, talking to your friend about... Wow, that's pretty crazy that those kids died and they just showed us that. Yeah, like you're all shocked and horrified. And then like later you see Heather Donahue out in public, just the person walking around. I can't remember what it was for. I don't know if it was for an award show or they were making an appearance on something. But there was something where that I was watching on TV and they were like listing the people that were going to be like presenting or going to be there. And they said, and and the cast of the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) Well, I think eventually they were just, you know, they stopped once the initial Right, right. I know, but it was hype. just funny. <laughs> like, but, like, you walk out of the theater and you days later you, you're you living in the East Coast somewhere where Heather Donahue or Michael C. Williams or somebody lived, and you just see them out in public, your, like, head explodes. Oh, yeah. And then you call 911, <laughs> and you're like, I thought I was a hero. <laughs> right. And it turns out you were just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the newspaper local asshat humiliates self family and friends by believing fake movie is real well how many trips <laughs> did burkittsville get in the aftermath of this movie well we'll get to the house that they filmed it at i do think like there was some stuff which they try to play into in book of shadows oh yeah theoretically the idea of book of shadows at least like the initial premise is not that bad it's sort of blurring the lines as if you're living in a world where the blair witch project is a movie but also is still potentially real 
and then these are like the fan people that just show up right, and right. get involved yeah, in it. Yeah. It goes completely off the rails and is not a good movie, but I think that's an interesting way to come up with an idea for a sequel to something like this. Ultimately, after we've seen two quote-unquote sequels to this movie, I think the idea of this being a franchise is just not something that could ever happen. Yeah, we did see the, I don't know, what what, what, do, you, what do you even call it? It's not a remake. It is a sequel because it's yeah. supposed to be Heather's brother, even though the footage <laughs> that they shot is in 1994, and Heather is like in her... 20s? Early 20s, maybe? Yeah, probably like early to mid-20s. So she has a brother who's now only like 20 years old, but like, <laughs> yeah. what? 16 yeah six there's no crossover the age of the kid that played her brother in the 2016 one just could not have been old enough to even have been alive when she disappeared like it just doesn't even make sense yeah that movie uh, wasn't particularly memorable the ending was actually pretty cool i do remember with the underground yeah the stuff at the house where right. you actually see the witch for a minute and it's like horrifying yeah yeah it's like chasing them that actually is pretty scary yeah, the rest of the movie is terrible right and it's a boring waste of time. The Blair Witch Project also popularized found footage as a style, especially in horror. And there's a long legacy of films oh, that yeah. came after. Paranormal Activity, that REC or Record or Rec or however people say it. Cloverfield, The Last Exorcism, Troll Hunter, which sounds like it would be terrible, but is actually pretty good. <laughs> Chronicle, Hunter. Project X, VHS. Out of all of those... Cloverfield and Troll Hunter are probably the best two, in my opinion. Something that they still <laughs> the ones I listed at least. They still keep coming out, but you would always say it's like the Blair Witch style. Yeah, I think it's died down. Yeah. Over the last like decade, but yeah, up until at least 2010, we were getting a lot of them. Yep. It's always like, what's a way we can do this? What's a way we can make a movie for cheap? Yeah, some of them. Although I think the the budget for for a few of those might not have been that cheap. Yeah, that's true. They were usually Cloverfield just might have been. slightly more expensive versions or, or yeah. whatever. However, Blair Witch Project was not the first. Right. There's Cannibal Holocaust, and there was a movie in the 90s called The Last Broadcast, which some people think is has some similarities to Blair Witch Project. Some people think Cannibal I'm Holocaust does as well, but the problem with Cannibal Holocaust is like, well, that's never going to catch on and be a, a sensation. No, that movie's fucked up. Yeah, people aren't going to want to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> the Blair Witch Project is a found footage movie, but it's also fairly innocent and doesn't really involve anything too troubling. Yeah, actually, um, shockingly, uh, little happens in it. Critics mostly loved it. There were some negative reviews. Audiences were way more divided than the critics, though. To this day, I think there's still a... a large segment of movie fans and even some yeah. horror fans that just don't buy into it. I think, like I was saying to you earlier, off mic, if you didn't see this movie by 2003, right? <laughs> it's really hard to get into that mindset of why this movie would be considered interesting or good. That's the thing. I mean, I still appreciate it for, for what it was, and I still carry around that fondness for it when I do watch it. But I do feel like if I sat there and was watching this for the first time, God, now, I would not. Yeah, yeah I, I would not be into it. I definitely have a, a lot of fondness to it too. There's a lot of '90s nostalgia. Yeah, I actually, you know, I I still I I like I think it starts off strong. Still, even now, like I think they're doing some good buildups and in the interviews with the initial town people. But 
once they get out into the woods and like you're into the crux of the movie, it's kind of like a lot of the same. And then you get to the yeah. end. Yeah. Well, end that's the problem. Like, yeah. I think you have three inexperienced actors who are expected to improvise like virtually 20 hours of material, which is how much they filmed. I do think you'd probably start relying on crutches because most of the right. time nothing is happening. Yeah. There are incidents where stuff happens, but a lot of it takes until like almost the end. A lot is kind of condensed at the end. Yep. You know, once Josh disappears and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it really starts ratcheting up at that point. Because I remember after Josh disappears thinking that it's like almost the end. And then it was, <laughs> you know, it's right around the corner at that point. So the whole thing centers around the original legend of Ellie Kedward. And it is weird because they don't spend like too, too much time on it. It's almost like if you're not paying attention, you can miss a lot of key details to the background, which well, you know, the, I there's a lot the of things that go on. And yeah, I think the first however many times I saw this movie, I sort of just assumed that Rustin Parr was that's what I'm saying. Witch. They almost like double layer what the actual evil yeah. villain is. Like, is it this? Like, you hear the story about this dude. That might be intentional just because that's how a lot of like legends are, where they sort of take every macabre thing that happened in an area and they swirl it all as if it's one thing. Right. And most of the time, it's, well, all the time, probably, it's bullshit. But. In this particular instance, oh, with it the does exception of, turn uh, out they find something in the woods. The Jersey Devil, of course. <laughs> Myrick and Sanchez also incorporated elements of the Salem Witch Trials and the Crucible as well oh, yeah. to put this whole thing together. The legend describes the killings and disappearances of some of the residents of Blair, Maryland, a fictitious town on the site of Burkittsville, Maryland, from the 18th to 20th centuries, Residents blamed these occurrences on the ghost of Ellie Kedward, a Blair resident accused of practicing witchcraft in 1785 and sentenced to death by exposure, which meant they tied her to a tree and just expected her to die, but they never confirmed it. Wow, what a way. And all hell broke loose. I watched a bonus feature on the Blu-ray called The Curse of the Blair Witch, which was a mockumentary-style Piece that I, I've never on seen the, it, but I, I saw like when I searched this on Prime, that's on there too. That yeah, it up. aired on the Sci Fi Network on July 12th, 1999, which was a couple of days before the initial limited release of Blair Witch. I think the wide release was in August. It's strange that they would just have this on TV before a movie came out where it gives away so much of the information, and there's clips from the movie in this special. But it aired on sci-fi, and I can't imagine that many people even watched it. Yeah. And it has, like, a very 90s cheese to some of the graphics and stuff. There's a few of the fake interviews with friends of Heather oh, or right. yeah. Michael's brother and stuff where you're like, eh, I can see why they didn't get the lead parts, which were in the movie itself. Because yeah. they're, they're, you can kind of tell they're doing, like, a scripted thing where they're acting like it's a natural interview or something. Well, when but, you get into this stuff with the found footage, you are like, well, who found this footage? Like, how did, <laughs> how did they I get this I guess the stuff? police. I don't know. I think yeah, they okay. may explain that on the Legend of Blair Witch thing. I didn't watch, like, every minute of it. I, I, I shut it off after a while because it kind of yeah. got repetitive. But they show you, like, footage of them finding the car with leaves on it okay. and all this shit. Yeah. And they talk to, like, police, quote-unquote, and stuff. And they do present it as if it's real, although you can kind of tell that it's not. Right. Sort of like the movie itself. Sure. 
So let's get into it. We'll try to do our best. This is a little bit of an unconventional movie. The plot <laughs> yeah. is sort of just people walking through the woods. It's we'll like try Lord to of the touch Rings. on some stuff. Yeah. In October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting a documentary. By the way, so the movie starts out, just to set the timeline here, they filmed it in 94. Does it say the footage was found a, like a year later or something? Or it just says... This is well, this footage. is all well. What if you wouldn't have interrupted? This is what it says at the beginning of the movie. Okay, These are the right, words yeah. on the screen. Well, sometimes you know, and the, then it says a year later their footage was found. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. See, my memory is not that bad. But that's so, okay. So the footage was found in '95. Yes, we're gonna air it in theaters in '99, or is it 2000 at this point? I guess you could say that. No, it was '99 that the film came out. Okay, okay. Well, so I guess hey, you could easy. say that they felt like enough time had gone by, <laughs> <laughs> or. The police and investigators were stumped, and so maybe they thought exposing it to more people, someone would have a lead. Okay. I mean, there's no rational explanation. That's why Let me, uh, it's crazy that... Phone, quick call to the House of Buys. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy that. I just think that it's crazy that anybody would think that this was real. Because you <laughs> can't, know, the but... logic is just not... Right. They would never do anything like this. <laughs> but... People sort of went with it in a pre-internet age where people sort of were willing to buy things easier, I think. I don't know. Yeah. The three film students are Heather, Joshua, and then they go and pick up Michael. So we meet the three of them in their houses where they're sort of testing out this equipment that they're borrowing. I did think it was funny that almost immediately when Heather's like showing off things in her apartment, she's showing like her books and she has that book called How to Stay Alive in the Woods. Yeah. And then she goes, just in case. Or, right. And then, like, laughs or something. <laughs> that is funny. A little bit of premonition. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. uh Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing movie. early in the movie, which even though it's supposed to be a doc- like raw found footage, they the have background? foreshadowing. I mean, are, are they – are her and Josh in film school or something? Yeah, this is explained a little bit more in the Curse of the Blair Witch special. And they hired Mike or something. Like, he wasn't really – their normal companion it seems well like, they right? do talk to a teacher and he has like opinions on heather and joshua but yeah i don't remember that guy saying anything about mike so it does seem like he's just somebody that josh knew okay to like help them out heather's just like meeting him at the beginning of the movie right yeah they talked to like <laughs> this thing is funny i wish you would have watched it because they talked to like joshua's quote-unquote girlfriend and they definitely try to like play up the idea that like she wasn't thrilled about Josh like going on this weekend with this other chick that like asked him to do this. Oh yeah. And the teacher was like making it seem like Heather was like a real student who had like all this ambition, had this drive to do this and a drive to succeed and a real desire to be a filmmaker and that Josh was just like coasting and didn't really care. <laughs> I don't know, they really tried to like pump this thing full of character development for it. some reason. Yeah. <laughs> So the three of them drive to Burkittsville, the town where Blair once was. By the way, do we know where they're coming from? I guess it might be revealed. They all seem Canadian to me. <laughs> you know, They're definitely not Canadian, but I don't know what school. I forget, Okay. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably mentioned somewhere yeah, in not one of the materials. I, do yeah, wonder I don't that. think it really matters. No, I don't think so. I, I just feel like Heather like sounds Canadian and kind of Josh does too. Are they in real life? I don't know. I don't think they're supposed to be in the movie. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. So they go around in Burkittsville and they interview people trying to find out what the local townsfolk think about the legend of the Blair Witch. 
the history, the different events that happened. And this is where the viewer first starts to hear some of these stories about Rustin Parr, who in the, I believe, 1940s kidnapped seven children, took them to this house in the woods, and killed them by orders from the witch. By the way, Josh Leonard from Houston and Heather Donahue from uh, Pennsylvania. So <laughs> I don't know where I'm getting this. Heather from. O'Donohue, I only thing I ever remember seeing her in was a very early episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So yeah. I always got that impression that she was from like the Philly area. Okay, but I don't yeah, know. That could be. So yeah, who is the townsperson that starts talking about this guy? It's the first, that old guy that they oh, talked right. to, like the yeah, first yes. one. Because I think that he was saying that it happened in the 1940s. And this is where we hear the story of two at a time in the basement. They face a corner while he kills the other one. And then he takes one from the corner and kills that one too. But my big question with this was then why an odd number if it's two at a time? Well, yeah. And who confirmed that? You know, I guess I him. guess he had to say that. Yeah, I guess because yeah, he talked about the like kids how didn't live to tell he couldn't have the eyes on him. Right. So that seemed like a quote from which him, that, that I mean that's kind of haunting. This is Burkittsville, formerly Blair. It is a small, quiet Maryland town, much like a small, quiet town anywhere. No more than twenty families laid their roots here over two hundred years ago. Many of whom remain either on this hill or in the town below. There are an unusually high number of children laid to rest here, most of whom passed in the 1940s. Yet no one in the town seems to recall anything unusual about this time, to us anyway. Yet legend tells a different story, one whose evidence is all around us, etched in stone. shot the first scene the cemetery scene the opening is shot oh we're doing a documentary yeah about the blair witch oh oh have you heard of the blair witch oh yeah that, that's an old 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 story so i remember uh mr parr was an old hermit right and, and he lived up on the mountain he had a, he had a place up there been there for a long, long time. You've heard of the Blair Witch? Several times. Several times. And yep. what was the first incident? incident well, I've heard, you... I've heard stories about her from people and neighbors and stuff like that. But also, I saw a documentary on the Discovery Channel or somewhere. Really? Once about her, about the ghosts really? and legends of Maryland. Yeah, it's a story my grandmother used to tell us all. Make us go to bed early. Really? Say if you stay up after dark or walk around the house too much, a Blair Witch would come and get you. Uh, sort of in the winter, I guess, the fall or the winter, 1940, uh, some of the young kids started to disappear, and nobody, nobody knew anything about why they were, why they were disappearing. So the creepiest, <laughs> the uh -oh. creepiest story <laughs> about her that I ever heard was that two men were out hunting, uh -huh. and they were camped near the cabin or something that she's supposed to haunt, no, uh -huh. no. and they disappeared off the face of the earth. No. Really? Okay, it's all right, Ingrid. I'm just telling a scary story, but it's not true. It's not true. Finally, one day, old Mr. Parr come down into the market and said, I'm finally finished. And what did he mean by that? Well, I guess nobody knew at first, but the police uh, finally went up on the mountain and uh, they searched his house and they found the bodies of seven kids from the area. What he did is he took uh, 
the kids down in the basement by twos, and he made one face into the corner. Really? And then he would kill the other one. And then when he was done with that, he'd grab the one out of the corner and kill that one, too. And those were the seven kids that were missing, and then they bought them out of the woods one at a time, and it just was a, a terrible thing. It just tore the whole community up. said in court that he couldn't take the eyes on him. He could, he could feel the eyes watching him. That's why he made him face into the corner. One of them says the woods are haunted. I think that was like the woman. And then they go see Mary Brown. <laughs> yeah. She lives in a trailer. She has a gate made of sticks. She's just an icon of fashion and style and <laughs> hair. <laughs> just really a real just interesting look. A life that I strive to live, you know? Just a trailer with a wooden gate. That's it, the American flag. That's Mary's house. I'm going to grab her and bring her out. Why don't you take a look around to see what the best light is, all right? This is Mary's gate. I'm not even sure how I pull this open. Because something interesting happened to you, actually, at one point in your life. You had an encounter with the Blair Witch. Um, yes, that is um, a really kind of scary story. Um, to kind of make ends meet, my dad and I would go fishing down by Taffy's Creek. Right. And you know, it's um, in Burkittsville. I was laying down on the leaves, a pile of leaves, kind of watching my pool and looking up at the sky. Sure. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt like something was near me. Right. You know, kind of an eerie feeling. It, it was like a woman, only on her arm, on her hands and everything. It was like hair, like a real dark, almost black hair. Uh-huh. Like, like a horse. Like fur? Yeah, like a fur, like horse fur. Then her arms, she had like a shawl, right? Wool shawl over her. And she scared you? She threatened and, you? And um, she didn't say anything, but she just kept staring. And then right. she opened up her shawl. And what was under there? And under it, there was hair on her body, like a So horse. she was hairy from head to toe? Yeah, it's and her her legs, and her, you could right. see How she about was her a face? female. With just kind of like strange looking. The impression that I was getting from some of the stuff I was reading was the three actors in this film are basically by themselves most of the time, especially right. once they get into the woods. And they were instructed by different things that they would find with instructions and sort of motivations to how to like improvise different scenes. But when they're in the town here at the beginning, I think they would talk to people that... I was trying to like figure out what they meant by this because they almost made it seem like some people we're in on it and some people aren't in on it and i was like well who's not in on it because this is all made up shit yeah i know i don't know it it was kind of hard to say i don't know maybe like the the three people the leads like they weren't always sure like what to do next and would have to like follow instructions so like the one person like mentions mary brown so then they have to kind of like improvise like oh yeah this is a person we gotta go talk to and then there's like instructions on how to get there but like they don't know all this stuff ahead of time right that's the thing, and we'll get into this more as we go, but people were very hard on the acting performances once the backlash started, like yeah, once it was and, already a hit. I, and I was telling you before, I completely buy into this reality. I think that they do such a good job establishing these people as just like normal people, you know? They feel genuine to me, and then I don't really get caught, you know, when they are like reacting emotionally to things later I, I don't get really hung up on it like at all like it doesn't bother yeah me. i do think that like if you're gonna like pay super close attention and be cynical about it 
I feel like they're better in the first half, and then Heather and Mike do ham it up a little bit in a way that yeah. seems weird. If you're detached emotionally from it, and you're just kind of viewing it in that sense. But if you just watch it the first time, especially if you're able to see it without really knowing a lot about it, and you're watching it in the dark or whatever, and you're getting sucked into the story, yeah, nothing like that jumps out to me. And this opening segment here, you can already see Heather like trying to take charge, trying to be the leader. She's coming off as annoying. And for me, she is annoying, but that is the character that they wanted her to be. And I think like she does a pretty reasonable job convincing me of the type of person well, that I Heather agree. was. Like the like, whole was. control freak as thing. She's really dead. <laughs> I'm so or convinced. Missing. I'm convinced. Yeah. Yeah, like, she wants to have complete control, and she has this confidence that she does, even though it's clear to the people around her that she doesn't. <laughs> yeah. After they talk to Mary Brown, they encounter two fishermen in the woods. This is where they hear the story of Robin Weaver, a girl in the 1800s who went missing for a couple of days and then returned with a story of an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. I did think it was odd to tell the Rustin Parr story first, which is so crazy and right. involves ch- children being killed, to just, hey, this girl disappeared for a while, then had a weird story when she came back. It felt a little anticlimactic. Yeah, I agree. Like, okay, I don't really understand how this would even make the cut of right. the things you were considering. <laughs> yeah. But you, then... When they found this footage and they had to make decisions <laughs> over what gets into the theatrical... No, I'm talking about the original <laughs> filmmakers, yeah, as yeah, if right. acting like this is on par. Yeah, I know, yeah. I'm talking about Heather, Joshua, and Michael, not well, even, the real filmmaker. Sorry, what was what's the crazy old lady's name? Mary Brown. Yeah, I mean, even when they go to Mary Brown's house, it seems eh, a little hokey, but... She's talking about the woman with the hair. Yeah. Like horse fur, oh, as she like, calls when it. When she's describing that... If you're paying attention closely and are dialed in on it, that is, like, fucked up. Because he talks about, like, the woman, like, opening the shawl and she's, like, completely covered in hair. Yeah. That's something that is reoccurring in stories about the devil or encountering the devil or the witch in the woods. There's always, like, this element of being covered in hair, which Mm -hmm. I find upsetting. Yeah, same. (laughs) And gross. Well, also kind of relatable for me. (laughs) Yeah. she's Mary Brown's, like, describing you. (laughs) Covered in a hair, like a horse hair. (laughs) Open the shawl to reveal that it was definitely a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely female, you could tell. (laughs) But in addition to this other ridiculous story about Robin Weaver, who disappeared but managed to make it back, we also find out about Coffin Rock, which is another big moment of this part one of the movie. I think there's like three parts. There's before they go into the woods. Yeah. Then there's in the woods before Josh disappears. And then there's Josh disappears. Yeah. Those are like the three main parts of it for me. I agree. They went into the woods prepared to find death. What they found was a desecration of humanity at the site which trappers have often referred to as Coffin Rock. On top of the rock formation, the story of the torture inflicted upon these brave five men unfolded. Each was bound to the other, each man's hands bound to the next man's feet, forming a solid structure out of the men. Blood at the edges of the hemp indicates that this act had committed, been committed while each was alive and able-bodied enough to struggle. In the torso of each man, the intestines had been torn out crudely. On each man's sun-bleached face was inscribed indecipherable writing, cut into their flesh with an eerie precision. The men, still entranced by the horror of what had happened, left the scene to find the sheriff, and did not sketch the writing and did not remove the bodies from the rock. Upon return, vultures were seen at the rock. 
but upon inspection, the bodies had been removed by persons unknown. The search party claimed that the stench of death was still thick, and whomever had taken the bodies had done so in a matter of hours. That happened here, at Coffin Rock. The Coffin Rock thing always captured my imagination upon seeing it for the first time, because it's such a strangely detailed and weird story that you can't really decipher what the purpose would be if it had really happened. So in the 19th century, which is also the 1800s, I like how they they refer to what the thing with Robin Weaver as the 1800s, but then the other thing, they're like, this is the 19th century, as if that's different. Right. Five men were ritualistically murdered and then posed or something on that rock in the stream that they called Coffin Rock. Okay. Weren't they, like, tied to stakes or something on the rock or something like that? Something like that, discovered. This person then who discovered them runs to get help, and then the bodies have disappeared, but there oh, was boy. the smell of death in the air confirming it. Always seemed like such a a specific, yeah. weird story. Yeah, and I think that is that is like the weird thing about this movie when you watch it once, because now this is like the fourth story that you've heard, and you're like, how are these all connected? Like, what is the deal here? Yeah, that's the mystery. Like, yeah. are they connected is Rustin Parr just a serial killer yeah. who blamed a witch? But it's hard because you're also trying to, it's like, well, what am I supposed to be afraid of here? Other than the, this is sort of like the woods, there is like this darkness there. and You've now heard of like several weird or bad things happening. I would say that out of the footage that we see in the final film, that the name Ellie Kedward, who is supposed to be the Blair Witch, only gets mentioned like a couple of times right. and then they throw all this other shit at you and you sort of lose track especially the first time you see it oh yeah as to like who is supposed to be the witch ultimately it doesn't matter We're right right the idea is pretty straightforward there's a witch in the woods yeah, yeah. the end <laughs> it doesn't matter who it is when you're being murdered <laughs> That's you're like true, who yeah. are you again right. i need to get your backstory <laughs> So what did you have something to do with that guy that was killing the kids? She's like, Paris? no, 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 that guy, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. He was working on his own. He tried to blame me. Yeah. As, <laughs> and she's like ripping your heart out. Yeah. They were just trying to hit me with whatever open cases they had at the time. Then that Robin Weaver girl, she was a total bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to have her be my friend, and then she went and said all this shit about me. This is supposed to be October in Maryland. I'm not great with what other states weather is like i know that october here is pretty cold i can't really imagine spending an entire weekend camping out in the woods where you don't really oh, know seems, where you are this seems horrible in bad weather yeah raining, potentially right to do what i'm not even sure how many nights were they gonna stay in the woods i think it's only supposed to be two yeah that i think it's supposed to be with the weekend basically. but then it ends up being a lot more than two, which oh, I yeah. lost track right. of what the number was at a certain point. But after they leave Coffin Rock, which seemed like, okay, we've talked to a lot of people, we've gotten these weird stories. To me, the only thing that I seemed to notice for sure that they were going into the woods for was this quote-unquote cemetery in the woods, right? which is debatable whether or not they actually found it. I guess they did. I guess the Cairns the are supposed rocks, to be, yeah. which is very like Pet cemetery esque Oh, but yeah. I don't know. Was that it? Like, that was the Unclear. only thing they were supposed to find? Yeah. Because I, other than that, what are they filming? They're just walking in the woods. All right, I know. I don't know. Until I don't know shit what... starts happening. You them. knew they were trying to get to Coffin Rock, and they do successfully very early. Yeah, and then beyond that, it's kind of unclear what the actual mission is. 
Yeah, because whenever they're walking back and they are saying, like, why are we walking back in a way that we've never gone before? And they're getting on her case. And she's like, well, we had to go the other way to hit our two points. But what were the two points? Right. It was the cemetery. And then what was the other one? I don't know. Was it Coffin Rock? Well, yeah. Because that thought... seemed like they were still kind of close to civilization at that point. That's I know. Coffin Rock felt like it wasn't that far from the car. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, I, I do think part of the overall terror here is just being lost in the woods. That actually... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, was, that what is what I relate to immediately. Right. Like, that. when they start to, like, realize that they're lost... Yeah, and, and the like panic a, that yeah. kind of is slow growing over time. I think that is effective. Yeah, because this isn't even the summer. It's not like you're like, well, we might be able to, like, scrounge for, like, a month if we find stuff to eat. <laughs> a month. Well, like, you know, yeah, berries be, and grass and Life shit. would have gotten pretty bad if you're living out there for a month. Well, yeah, but yeah. there are, like, hermits that sometimes do shit like that. But it's going to be shitty, and it's going to be horrible and right. cold and fucked up. The first night, though, which they're on their way to this destination, there's already noises in the night, according to Josh. We don't get that on film, but he claims in the morning there's, like, cackling. And I would have been like, you know what? We're leaving. Yeah. Let's get out I know. right now. <laughs> This is just from, like, Josh saying that he heard it. Yeah, right? I'd, be like, only... I'd already be halfway back to the car. Oh, I'd be yeah. like, see ya. Yeah, although you'd be like, where's the car? <laughs> That's something that they played with a lot more in Blair Witch 2016, yeah. which was the loss of space and time. Just, it didn't make sense, which is something that's kind of introduced in Book of Shadows, but... That's true. They don't really get into whether or not something is supernaturally messing with them in that way. You're never really sure... If they're lost on their own, irregardless yeah. of any supernatural element, I mean, or if that's because of something fucking with them in well, some way. First of all, where did this map come from? Did you get a look at this map? I didn't really get a look at it. Was it like a geological? No, or? it looks more like there's a picture of a rock on it for Coffin Rock. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like out of like Peter Pan or something. It's like a <laughs> map dots. of Neverland. <laughs> yeah. Footprints. Pirates here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Heather just drew it. Well, that's the thing. Well, we'll get to it when they when they get rid of the map. We'll get to that. I love that part. They're somewhat lost, though, almost immediately, and there's definitely mistrust about Heather's leadership and navigation, and this is where Heather's irrational overconfidence like takes over, and a little bit of the fighting starts. It's not serious, but Mike does say, I don't fully trust you. This yeah. is day one. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically day two. I do feel like it is kind of a miss in an oversight and sort of the and i guess you're just in on the movie at this point following what's going on but you feel like they could have worked a little bit more into the narrative over like let's just get to x and then we'll head home but you don't really feel like those conversations are happening well at this point she is mentioning the cemetery a lot and then yeah. she's trying to use that as like motivation like aren't you guys excited like get excited True. we're almost there even though it doesn't really seem clear that she knows that for a fact but then it does seem like they eventually get there. Right. So you're like, well, did she know what she, what she was doing? It's it's kind of hard to say. Sure. Mike is like, why are you filming this? Like, I don't understand why you have to film every conversation. And she says, because we're making a documentary. And he says, not about us getting lost, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, no, Mike has actually some great moments. Because that is essentially what the documentary is about, right. them getting lost. <laughs> and there is a lot of Heather versus Michael initially. And Joshua is trying to, like, be peacekeeper for a while because mike seems like very mistrustful and you do wonder like what is his motivation for even being involved with yeah this? i know 
So eventually, at the end of this long day, they find this old cemetery in the woods. They find seven small cairns, which are the little piles of rocks. And Josh refers to it, quote, as an Indian burial ground, which or oh, like yeah. an Indian burial that cemetery ground. reference again. Yeah, it does look like that kind of stuff. Josh happens to knock one of the Karens over when filming at night. Now, do you think that this is why he's singled out later? I don't know. This I didn't is the know one thing the that jumped out to me. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that, but that is a good point. That They actually build something in that would have to do with him and not just be completely random that he's the yeah. one who's chosen. Could be. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that was what their intention was or not, but I did think about that. That night, as they set up camp again, there's twigs snapping and other sounds that sound like rocks being thrown into like a canyon or something. Is it's that really, what it sounded like to you? Like I, I rocks can't tell hitting stuff? With a lot of these noises, it, it just sounds like a commotion. Well, and it's it, creepy and unnerving because it sounds far away, but you can't tell how far it is and you can't exactly put your finger on what it is. Right. There are twigs snapping, which would freak me the fuck out. Because that definitely seems like something's walking around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but those rock sounds, I don't know what that's supposed to be, but it, I would be creeped out by it because I'd be like, I, I don't know what that is exactly, and there's no explanation for it. Yeah, I, I've never really had my finger on the pulse of what was supposed to be going on outside this tent. Yeah, I think it's just supposed to be an unknown thing Noises. that you're scared of. Yeah. There's some talk about local rednecks like a deliverance type oh, right. situation yeah. people in the woods fucking, with, fucking them. with us because at this point in time these three people although they're making a documentary about this stuff they don't believe that there's anything supernatural no 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 so they're rationalizing everything up until a certain point in the movie so in the morning they begin this trek back to the car and this is where everything goes wrong there's building tensions. Pretty early on, Mike is on the verge of breaking because he feels that they're ill-prepared for this, that they're lost, they don't know what they're doing. Honestly, it seems he's like he's wrong. right. Yeah, It doesn't seem like there's a lot of preparation. Heather sort of refuses to admit that she doesn't know what's yeah. going on, and then they can't find the car. At no point do they have a compass. I don't remember a compass ever being involved. Yeah, there is a compass, but they don't mention it really until after the map's gone. Okay, yeah. And they fight over who's going to hold that's it. That's right. And that's what leads me to believe that maybe there is some supernatural stuff going on. Because, because having a, not having a compass would have been a horrible idea, but then it's like they don't really use it effectively. <laughs> well, yeah, I think like when they do use it, that's the point where you could tie it in with what happened in Blair Witch 2016 because it seems like that's when they go in a circle. Yeah, right. It Like it didn't work, and you have to like wonder if it's like, being how like, is fucked possible? with or something. Yeah. So they have to set up camp again when they can't find the car. So this is like already they're supposed to have left. Right. So they're setting up, and they hear more noises at night, alternating between near and far. The camera, which they now like turn on, and they're putting it outside and looking and talking and trying to see and find out. The camera never sees anything besides trees in the darkness. And so I think for today's audience... It's not enough. They are thinking that this is going to build towards something beyond this. Right. And they're not really keyed in on the idea of anticipation and imagination, which is essentially all that they ever really use in this movie. Yes. They took inspiration from a lot of different movies to sort of come up with this stuff. And, and I think once they realized their budgetary restraints and what their idea was going to be, they really looked to Jaws. 
which you oh, don't yeah. see the shark mostly until the end of the movie. So how do you make it seem scary? The only difference is there's blood and people are being eaten and right. you actually like see that for the most part. But I still get it though. It's like how do oh, yeah, we yeah. capitalize on emotions? And they lucked out because the marketing campaign lured a bunch of people into the theater and I think the best way to experience this is in a crowded theater. Oh yeah. Because when I saw Paranormal Activity, it was like basically by myself well, well, with whole, a friend, and it was, you yeah. know, completely dead, and the nothing whole resonated. Marketing plan for when they did do the Paranormal Activity theater release was just showing audience yeah. reactions. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and when you're not caught up in that that shared event, it didn't really hit right as much. In the morning, three cairns have been built and placed around their tent. Understandably, the guys are urgent to go, but Heather is still wanting to film everything, and this will be a recurring thing up until the very end, is like Heather's desire to just film everything. Yeah. Which at a certain point, if you start to question it, gets a little ridiculous, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Where you're just like, would you still be filming at this point? Yeah, I know. Wouldn't you just throw the camera and get the fuck I know, out of right? here? Just lugging this equipment around. I feel like... You get to the point where you're you're just like I'm ready to abandon this equipment. Like I don't care what we filmed before. Yeah, I don't want. I, I probably anymore. would have been yeah. at that before we even realized we were lost. Yeah. <laughs> Day one. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> just laying on the ground crying. <laughs> the next day, they're walking around, and it's pretty early on where they realize the map is missing. Did you take it? No, I didn't take the fucking map, man. I'm, I'm not playing head games, man. If anyone's playing head games, you're playing head games, but I'm not playing head games. I don't have it. We have to go. I'm serious. I don't have it. Are you fucking serious? I'm fucking serious. I don't have the map, okay? Heather, that is so not cool, man. I know it's not cool. That is so not cool. I know it's not cool. That is, that, I mean, that's the fucking, like, least responsible thing you could have possibly done, man. I know that. You really don't have it? One of you has got to have the map. No, I don't have the map. We gave it back to you after map check yesterday. You've always had the map. I know, and I've always had the map in the same place, and if it's not there, one of you had to have taken it. I'm, I'm not going into your fucking pants to get your goddamn map, man. I just checked my pocket. It's not in my pants. Look, would I go in and get your map? All I want to do is get out of here, man. I'm not fucking around. That's all I want to, man. Let's go. No, you want to stay here. You want to film rocks. You want to look around. You want to fucking, like, go. get this. You want to get that. Which way are we walking? That way. Dude, we're in the middle of the fucking woods. We're in the middle of the goddamn woods. We could walk we're anyway. We're going this way because that's the way we've been going for a fucking day. We're going this way and that's I it. We gotta come across off. something. I gave you back the map, I Heather. I gave you the map. I gave you back the map. All I'm Let's saying is go. we can move as fast as we want, but if we have no fucking clue where we're moving to, then it really doesn't matter. We're does following it? the creek and Mike seems satisfied with that. This is one of the defining moments of this trip and just also, total panic and meltdown over the map. When you find out what happens to the map, I love Mike. <laughs> the initial blame for this is all on Heather, and she's sort of taking the brunt of Josh's frustration mostly. Mike... Well, we put our trust in you, If you're Heather. paying attention, you realize that Mike is not 
putting that much blame on her about this and that seems out of character for how he flips out about everything <laughs> yeah. to do with heather and so that is kind of suspicious where josh is sort of like what the fuck that was the least responsible thing you could do man yeah you lost the map eventually mike admits to kicking the map into the creek out of frustration <laughs> yeah i love it though he's like what were you doing what was that map doing for us like you had no idea where we were on that map i mean it's great i'm heather- like yeah exactly Heather and Josh freak out, and there's like almost like a physical altercation over it. So yeah, was this a fatal error here, or were they fucked already anyway? Like, what what is the importance of the map? Yeah, I feel like the map is only it has a a symbolism to Heather and Josh that yeah still following a path. But yeah, Mike's calling it like it is. This map is providing no value. They have no idea where the fuck they are. Or how yeah, his back. point, ab- I don't necessarily agree with him kicking the map away. <laughs> because maybe you would somehow come across something landmark, that you would yeah. recognize. But I do agree that this idea that she knew what she was doing with it and that she knew where they were is bullshit. Because they were supposed to be out already. Right. And they weren't. They could not get out. So they were sort of fucked at that point. But, yeah, I don't know. Kicking it into the creek was maybe not the best (laughs) idea. (laughs) Because then you have to deal with the morale issue, which is now at an all-time low. Right, and it actually just kind of continues to waver between low and horrible. (laughs) There's never, like, a rise in morale after this point. Well, I think it's funny, especially with Mike, how he sort of alternates between a total meltdown but then also like calming down, like when Josh is having a meltdown and stuff and being like, Guys, let's not fight. Yeah, we got... (laughs) He somehow can be like in the center of it and then step away. Whereas the descent for Heather and Josh is more like one direction. It takes longer for Heather to break. She's like the last one to break. Yeah. Mostly because I don't think she can admit to herself that she fucked this up. Right. But Mike sort of freaks out first, but then sort of circles back and like rallies. Whereas like Josh freaks out second and that is just like he downhill. He never gets back, yeah. Because he, he breaks after like the shit is on his pack and everything so after they lose the map they fight over the compass and they decide to head south sort of by accident i guess they find these humanoid stick figures suspended from trees all in this like concentrated area yeah and it's kind of like the symbol for the movie these like yeah it became one of the iconic images from the movie is sort of like the thing i guess I think Mike refers to it as, like, voodoo shit or something. Okay, yeah. I don't really know a lot about the dark arts <laughs> or Same. witchcraft, yeah. so I don't really know how this factors in. But it would it, be concerning if you came across yeah. this stuff in the woods, can, especially when you've heard noises at night. Yeah, and that's, I guess, like, I think my mind goes to, like, is that what the twig sounds were? <laughs> we <are> someone <laughs> constructing, like, these things and hanging them in the tree? Well, as Josh points out, no redneck is this creative, meaning oh, yeah. like he's starting to lose faith in the idea that it was just like these locals fucking with them in the woods. Like, what is this now? Yeah. We've maybe stumbled on something. And the idea that it's anything else is pretty horrifying. Would you still keep filming with so much relentless enthusiasm and intensity at this point? No. And I'm not talking about the stress of carrying the equipment. I'm not talking about being tired. I'm talking about out of like fear at this point. Would you still be like, yeah, we're making a movie? Or no, I mean, I think I would have switched to straight survival mode by this. Yeah, point. I think there is one small part of me like, if we're capturing like these things on film, it's like, holy shit! If we ever make it out of here, we're we're <laughs> we're actually gonna have something. 
Yeah, I do think that's like a big part of it for Heather. She's like got this relentless drive to like do this and she's thinking big picture like holy shit we're getting great stuff now yeah this is gonna be a great movie (laughs) but i think my mind would have already gone to like i just need to get out of here yeah shortly after this though and i don't know if she does this in front of anyone and at this point it's kind of obvious but heather admits out loud that they're lost now our only reason i wrote this down obviously they lost the map they've kind of been relying on this compass they haven't realized how the map useless was that is sabotaged yet. but this is the first time she's actually said it even though it's pretty obvious because yeah. of the map situation i just thought that was interesting she doesn't do it in front of the other two that night they decide to have no fire in hopes that whatever or whomever has been fucking with them at night will leave them alone because they think that the fires that they've been having at night gave away their location okay and made yeah, it easy right. to find them because at this point Again, I still think that they're trying to come up with rational explanations. Oh, sure. They're not thinking it's some supernatural thing. Right. You do wonder, though, what is the witch waiting for? Yeah. I, is she I, having well, fun fucking with them? Wouldn't she just need... They, I think, like, the classic explanation for these scenarios is these entities are always... They feed off the fear. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I guess you don't really them. need to have an explanation. It just is what they do. Yeah. The end. Right. There's a pretty memorable sequence, though, that night when they're awakened by strange noises, which include children laughing. Is this the one where they, like, wake up and they're already, like, out in the... When they turn the camera on, they're already, like, out in the woods? No, they're in the woods because it sounds right outside the tent. And it is one of those things where... So they're in the tent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's creepy because it's an out-of-place sound. Right. Because children laughing, if you actually like are walking down the street and you look and you see the kids, you're like, all right, well that's not scary. Yeah, they're well, but I don't you're know. in the There's middle of the woods. Than kids. Well, yeah, to some of us. Yeah. If you're out in the middle of the woods at night and you haven't seen any people around, and then all of a sudden there's children laughing at like 3 a.m. outside your tent. I mean, I don't can't think of much that would be scarier, really. No. Something starts shaking the tent, and all three of them flee in panic. And they're, like, running through the woods, and she's screaming, what the fuck is that? And they hide in the woods until dawn. I was telling you that initially they did have, like, one of the people working on the film, I think it was maybe, like, the production designer or one of those people, like, dressed all in, like, some weird white getup and with, like, white shit on their face or something. Yeah. And you were supposed to, like, catch an image of that at one point. But whoever was, like, doing the camera during this, like, didn't pan over. <laughs> and catch it and so they never reshot it and it just wasn't there yeah i I would be interested to see what that would have looked like i think if if it was like quick enough yeah that's the thing you'd have to be like real quick like if it's fixated for any period of time that probably would have came off as stupid they return to the tent in the morning to find their stuff has been rifled through josh's equipment is covered with some kind of a slime oh yeah and then they have like another. I thought it was like mostly his pack that was like the yeah. stuff was all over the place. Yeah, it seems like they went through the stuff and then his stuff was thrown everywhere and had shit on it. They have like another freak out and Mike is like pissed about her filming and then like tries to like grab the camera and then like you don't really see it but Heather bites Mike. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty funny because of this and because of being singled out and I think probably because he's losing grip on reality when you start to like come to terms with something not right and supernatural josh is just having a total breakdown he's like laying there 
away from them like crying at one point and that's when mike acts normal again where he's oh, right. just like i think we should just give him some time like he's the level-headed one <laughs> meanwhile heather bit him like 10 minutes earlier <laughs> <laughs> well heather does do that thing where she we already had that one moment where you said she didn't reveal anything to the other two but i also feel like when we have the whole thing with josh and he disappears she doesn't tell mike what she finds. oh yeah, yeah yeah she doesn't tell she's always trying to withhold that felt like she just uh, that felt like there was a couple reasons she, okay she didn't tell yeah. him all right we'll, well we'll get to it predictably as is always the case in stuff like this they've walked in a giant circle and they end up back at the same little creek that they crossed earlier with the log across it and that is such a spirit breaking <laughs> moment yeah. where you realize you've walked 15 hours and you've come back to the same place that where you were nuts. <laughs> Which also, it, yeah, with the compass being in play, it does seem, like, impossible, but... Yeah, and this is something that does get further developed in the two-sequel film, so I guess it's reasonable to believe that the idea that they were going for is that something supernatural has fucked with them and caused their compass to, like, go off or right. something. Yeah. Or, it's nothing as crazy as what they would get into later with time so, jumping yeah, and yeah. all that stuff, but, you know, it's just a little thing that happened like, right hey, yeah your compass is fucked and they up leave and it, it led you in a big circle they leave it to mystery but yeah i think that you have to operate under the assumption that something supernatural is happening here because it just doesn't make sense that they would walk south for 15 hours and be back in the same place this is seemingly the last straw for everybody because now even heather is broken she starts breaking down and crying there's no hope left almost at this point, but there's still three of them at least. Yeah. <laughs> it what? is shocking like how many nights that this all how takes place over. How much food do they have? <laughs> well, they do run out of food. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're out of food. And it is like, what's the plan now? There is no plan. Right. They tried walking south all that day and then it backfired. And now I think like she tries to revive, well, let's try east or whatever the next day, but there really is no plan anymore they're just completely lost <laughs> yeah that does it's it's hard why to... don't they try to climb a tree and see if they can see anything <laughs> <laughs> that's what i always think yeah, like yeah. hey let's try to climb a tree <laughs> see if we can see where the car is oh there it is <laughs> credits <laughs> you fall from the tree ba, 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 blue moon <laughs> <laughs> you just fall from the tree and break your leg and now you can't even move <laughs> Just stuck out there you're screaming kill me yeah and really just, like walk away i do like when mike just is like let's just scream help us because <laughs> i don't know what else to do yeah but i think that is like upsetting at a certain oh, point sure. so you're just kind of like don't do this right. it's upsetting me don't do it yeah because no no one's gonna hear them if they were close enough to be heard then they wouldn't be as lost as right, they are yeah. They have to set up camp again. Just a heartbreaking, spirit-breaking event of having to do that when they were supposed to be out of the woods days ago. We don't see anything that happens that night, but in the morning, Josh is missing. Heather and Mike are screaming his name, but all of his stuff is still at the tent, which heavily suggests that he didn't just run off. Because Heather does say, well, maybe he just took off, but his stuff's still here, and... Yeah. That's a bad sign. No, it really is. An entire day goes by and they don't find him, which again is another bad sign. I mean Yeah, I think you gotta forget about Josh at this point. And it does kinda seem like they do yeah. a little bit until they have reason well, not to. Well what are you gonna do? Yeah, there's I, nothing you can do. Really. You, they don't even know where they are. Yeah. So what could you do? 
they're dirty and exhausted and emotionally drained. But in a way, they almost undersell Josh missing at a certain point because they're just kind of like, I think they're just let's go on with our lives. Yeah. yeah. That night, though, in the darkness, they hear Josh's agonized screams somewhere in the woods. Now, this is a turning point in the movie. We're yeah. now like into what I consider part three, and this is a big moment if you pay attention to it. Because almost immediately after they start hearing these screams, I forget who it is. I think it's Heather. She says, is it a trick? Oh, yeah. And so they are almost convinced in a way that it's some sort of a fabrication. And it's this subtle shift where they are now seemingly believing that something supernatural is at play, which they've never really said. They haven't acknowledged it, yeah. They seem to think, like, we got lost in the woods, we fucked up. And the stuff that's been happening at night is people fucking with us. But now that Josh is missing after there was slime and they heard those children laughing and all that shit, this is the first time they've like said out loud, like, this is something supernatural. Because yeah. what else could just like like imitate a voice? And I also think if you are sitting there and thinking about what happened with the circle, that you ended up back yeah. at the creek, I think maybe not at first, but as you get away from that, you're starting to be like, it doesn't make any sense. Something is off here. This is fucked up. But yeah, you could try to say like our compass is broken or one of these two, whoever had it is an idiot and they right. fucked us over again. Your mind might start thinking like it doesn't make any sense that there would be children ruffling our tent, but who knows? Maybe it was like a family of weird rednecks that are like fucking with us. Oh, you yeah. would try to like rationalize because right. you would refuse to believe that it's something supernatural for the longest time. Yeah, Yeah. And then, as we said, they cut out the part where we actually, like, are supposed to see the figure or whatever in the woods, and they don't really address it. But if you are willing to say out loud, I think this is a trick, that somehow this is, like, not actually Josh, but it sounds like him, that feels like the only thing you're leaving room for is the supernatural at that point. Unless he's, like, tied up and it's, like, bait, but... That doesn't seem to be what they're saying to me. It seems like they've made a switch, or at least Heather. Mike doesn't really want to say it out loud, I don't think. Just for a second, going back to the part where she's like, what the fuck is that? Because, I mean, that line always stood out to me, even in early viewings, where I would always think that you're going to... In my mind, I think, oh, she's talking about noises. You know what I mean? Because we don't actually see anything. Yeah. But it does feel like some of the stuff that's happening on the outside of the tent, I don't know. It's always going to be left to your imagination, but... There were things that I felt like happened that you're not able to see or understand because it's only through their perspective. But it, it feels like it doesn't quite ever deliver on those things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you, you could say that they're so panicked and they're just kind of running out that they're not even looking to see themselves. Well, I could true, definitely yeah. see a scenario where you're so scared. Oh, you're just yeah. like, I'm out of here. That's true. And you wouldn't want to see. Seeing would be worse. Yeah, because you hear the kids and you get you're so scared at that point, and then all of a sudden your tent is like being shaken. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I always went with it. I do know that there are shortcomings here, and I think when we get to the end of the movie, we can maybe discuss some things that could be added in that would have made it even scarier and maybe given it more of a payoff. But I ultimately oh, I sure, get what sure. they were trying to do and. It is possible that had they tried to show something, it would have backfired and, and been the downfall of the whole thing. A- absolutely, yes. That was very much at risk. I agree with that. All things considered, this shift now to believing something supernatural is understandable to me. 
and the belief is now slipping into the dialogue heather's like don't fall asleep she's like don't fall asleep and he's like i can't fall asleep the last time they fell asleep one of them disappeared disappeared, yeah if this was me and matt i would be like don't fall asleep don't fall asleep he'd be like i can't fall asleep and then like i'd look over and he'd be asleep (laughs) yep (laughs) just falling asleep all the time that's right in the morning heather finds a bundle of sticks just outside the tent tied with fabric from josh's shirt she thro- initially throws the bundle away as if she's not going to explore it, but then I don't know what changes in her. She just decides she's going to open it eventually. This was like such a weird way to like <laughs> reintroduce the Josh situation. I-, I don't know. I just this is something that wouldn't have crossed my mind. Like if I was making this movie, let's just have a bundle <laughs> with his shirt. You know, it just seems... well the stuff inside I think is supposed to be symbolic of something. Sure. So inside the bundle, there is blood as well as what appears to be teeth, hair, and a piece of tongue. Ugh. And so I took that to be the tongue and the teeth are like signifying that they've like captured his voice. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. how they're like replicating it, or she, or the witch, or whatever. I thought that okay. was supposed to be like symbolic, yeah, right. but I don't know. Yeah, I can buy that. It was real teeth. They got them from like a dentist in oh, wow. maryland or something to use although you never really get a good shot and of a it. real tongue actually <laughs> yeah we never see heather mention this to mike which is what you said yeah which so i feel like that's because of two reasons one it's too much for her and she's like at a full panic and just can't even admit what she saw yeah like which... she doesn't want to make it real by saying it and also if she tells mike what's his reaction gonna be She's like Nothing relying good. on him now to be a rock or else she's going to be by herself. So she doesn't want to like scare him into like running and being crazy, you know, freaking out and running off. And then oh, now she's man. alone. So she's just kind of like almost in denial about it. Yeah. Because to me, I guess I would say, well, this is Josh's shirt. He's dead for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, this does lead to her big monologue or you know her big yeah. moment but i do feel like the you never lose sight of the the leadership factor for her you know like yeah. she feels responsible for all of this i did like that they threw in mike just randomly talking about cowrican jr <laughs> breaking the record to keep us in time like oh right, yeah right. this was definitely october of 94 <laughs> i'm not gonna see it because cowrick jr did break lou garrick's consecutive game streak on september 6 1995 so yes one more season as mike puts it and he'll get there <laughs> yeah which is weird because wasn't 94 the strike year i think that's right so yeah. he maybe would have gotten to it sooner i don't think he wouldn't have gotten to it in 94 but maybe the beginning of 95 instead that night heather records herself giving a tearful late night apology and it is one of the more memorable and iconic yeah. moments of the film. They used it in all of the trailers and promotional material. Right. Well, because she has like the line, I'm so scared right yeah. now. That was, yeah. Also often parodied in things after this. Yeah, everything about it to me works. The way that her face is only like half on the screen and down kind of like in a corner, half just part of the screen. The way that it's like the light is like right on her face, so it's like super bright right. on her face and the black background. The tears and the snot and like looking off when oh, yeah. she thinks she's hearing stuff. And well, just, it feels scary that there's just dark woods behind her. You know yeah. what I mean? I understand why this would be the most parodied thing because it is the most jump out moment really as far as anything in the movie. But 
I do buy the emotion here. I do think yeah. that Mike and her struggle a little bit more once they're supposed to just have nonstop, like we're panicking and scared all the time and they get a little hammy and they're probably right. better when they're just bickering and being more normal at the beginning. But it's I hard. think the scene is effective. It's hard to say, you know, how you would act, <laughs> you know, once you yeah. reach this level. I do think that Heather got the most shit in the fallout of yeah. this movie. People picked on her performance probably because of this scene. I'm trying to think like how I would be. I feel like I would just be like, let's not talk. I, I don't want to talk about it. You know? <laughs> we have to just do this in silence. <laughs> I don't know. Let's talk about anything else other than... We would have had Josh the conversation that we just had before we started recording this, yeah. except it would have went on for days, right. which it almost threatened to anyway, yeah. <laughs> recounting everything. That's right. Sometimes you just need to go back through history. Let's have a history recap of all of Zach's failed relationships <laughs> and how he's a terrible person. Well. But yeah, okay. I know I've said it before, and I'm just going to say it one more time. I just don't really think it's fair... That she caught so much shit from, like, the Razzies and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. They're amateurs in this movie. If you want to give, like, a golden raspberry to, like, Meg Ryan or Julia Roberts or something, it's not really a big deal when no. they're making $20 million and they've got their next six movies lined up or whatever was going on in the 90s. For these people who are amateurs, they're just off the street, they're improvising this whole thing out in the woods with no accommodations, they're not making any money from this, basically, and you're just like, worst actress of the year. Like, fuck you. Yeah, fuck I know, off stupid. with that shit. They didn't even think that this was going to be anything. Like, Myrick and Sanchez thought, like, if we could just maybe get this onto a cable network. Oh, yeah. You know, this idea, right. this dream of selling it at Sundance and making a $250 million movie was just not even uh, yeah. remotely on their minds. And I just think it's weird to like nitpick really? the quality of the acting of these amateur people. Heather and Mike again hear Josh's cries in the darkness. They're still having this battle for rationality because they're like, it must be him. They just, they're, ba they're teetering back and forth of yeah, like, yeah. this is fake, but like it has to be him because there's a part of them just not accepting the possibility that there's a supernatural being that could like imitate his voice so perfectly they follow the voice into the woods and find an abandoned house oh yeah <laughs> i just wrote fuck no yeah no why kidding. would you ever go near this thing I know, just frightening now do you know where this house is no i'm gonna drop a little bit of fun trivia bomb that i'm sure you'll appreciate here in a second oh shit and it led me down a whole unrelated path oh, of boy. like getting sucked back into something real hardcore for a minute. And then I was like, I can't go down this road right yeah. now. These final scenes were filmed at what was called the historic Griggs House. It was a 200-year-old building located in the Patapsco Valley State Park near Granite, oh. Maryland. Holy shit. Yes. Patapsco. That Patapsco State Park. <laughs> Adnan. <laughs> Because I had to Google to make sure, because in Serial, she doesn't say Valley. She just says Patapsco State Park. Wow. And this was said Patapsco Valley State Park, but I was like, they has to be the same. So I just looked a, it up. a bad aura there. I looked it up, and it is the same. This is not Leakin Park. 
No, no, but I know. But this, this is, is the story that where Jay, Jay was and like, Adnan, they went we to, went like, there earlier, or whatever. Yeah. And then it didn't add up, and like Sarah Canning was having the hardest time figuring out what this story was and why he kept bringing it up over and over, and why it never left his story, even though it didn't make sense. And then I read this whole thing online oh, wow. that was explaining in detail this theory that they went there seeing if they could bury her there before the murder even happened. That was somebody's theory about it. Yeah. And that this was like an indication of premeditation. Okay. And also that Jay was involved then from even before it happened. Right. And it was like this whole working theory and they they matched it with like the cell phone shit and everything and i was like holy fuck this is real (laughs) i was like losing my mind (laughs) holy shit because there is what that one call where jay said they were supposed to be at the mall i i don't know why we're going down yeah no it's like there's this one call in the show and i'd have to like go back and listen to it but i'm pretty sure what this person was saying was true based on my memory of listening to the show there was one call that like she could not explain Sarah Kane. Yeah, right. Where they said that they were at the mall, or Jay said that they were at the mall. Jay's testimony, they were at the mall buying this gift or whatever. But, like, it was pinging way out at this other place. Yeah. And she kept saying, well, that must have been just an odd thing, because sometimes cell phones will ping random places that are further away and all that shit or whatever. And she could just never quite explain it. But she wasn't understanding how big Patapsco State Park is. And even though that's not the area where Jay said they were, but it is still part of Patapsco State Park. And so this whole theory was like them checking that place first. Wow. And there was some quote from (laughs) Jay or somebody talking about all the people that were around. So in other words, they went there, scoped it out, felt like there was too many people around, and then they land on Leakin Park later. Wow. And I was like fully sucked into this theory. I was like, okay. Wow, man, how fucked up was the whole cereal thing? (laughs) (laughs) We used to bring up cereal a lot on this podcast. It's been a while. (laughs) But the funny thing is when we did Book of Shadows, we learned that there were parts of Book of Shadows that were filmed in Leakin Park. Right, yeah. Which would have been around like the same time that this all was happening. Leakin Park is also featured in The Wire. Yes, it is, yeah. It does come up when you talk about Baltimore. It's just these giant parks that are around. Man, wow, that's pretty wild. So that's where this house is? Was. Was. The house is no longer there. It was demolished. At some point, there was, like, an attempt to save it because of the movie by, like, film fans in the state, like, announced that they weren't going to demolish it and then just demolished it later with no announcement. (laughs) They're just like, yeah, (laughs) we're getting rid of it. That is the way to get around it. Because I think people were trekking into the woods and taking pieces of it and stuff. It's just like this. I will say, there is no reason to keep structures like that i mean it's just get rid of them it was 200 years old and so there was like sort of a historical value to it but it had never been maintained as any sort of landmark so it was just there yeah this part is creepy and you talk about like seeing this abandoned house and being like fuck no when i lived in upstate new york there was like not too far from my house there was like this weird little area where there was like three or four trailers and they were like all abandoned but stuff in them and, and there was like no main road to get to them they were like kind of in the woods. Oh yeah, that's creepy. And we would sometimes we would like get drunk and go out there at night. Oof. Oh yeah, I mean and like you know when you're drinking and stuff, it kind of eases your nerves and stuff. So I was never like. Well, even freaked if out there isn't there. anything supernatural, like bums and. Oh, I know that <laughs> derelicts. Well, yeah, and just weirdos, that, and serial killers hanging out there. Right, that too. But like even just the idea of 
what the hell happened? I don't even understand why these are here. Yeah. There's like food still on the table. Like yeah, people just all... ran off in the middle of something, <laughs> and you're rapture, like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> what happened here?" So I don't know. It always it's, it does it, it creeps me out when I think back that we would like go over there at night occasionally and stuff. I didn't do it a ton, but there was probably yeah. like two or three times that we we did. You that. don't you'd only ever want to do that with like a big group because I don't know some of the unsolved mysteries and unresolved mysteries that you read on Reddit and stuff. There's like people that will go out to the woods and like they'll be some sort of a killer that kills couples or something you know what i mean just like and it always seems like i don't know just going out into the woods like off everybody's radar even if you're just like camping with your friends or something it always seems like creepy because it does yeah it almost seems like the rules of society just stop when you like enter the woods and like all bets are off i know there could just be some dude that's like i kill people out here yeah (laughs) i just live out here and i kill people off the grid baby (laughs) Like the Blair Witch. She just lives in the woods right. and she kills people <laughs> yeah. when they come out there. I was picturing when you were talking earlier about that, what's the dude's name that killed the kids in this? Rustin Parr. Yeah, Rustin Parr. Wet. I was picturing like that scene in The Wire where they're just giving like the one dude like cheeseburgers and stuff to like take more murders that they haven't been able to like figure out who did it. The Blair Witch is just eating cheeseburgers and being like, yeah, throw his on mine too. <laughs> The house in the woods that they find is covered in demonic symbols. Uh, there's some children's bloody handprints on the walls. It's not a good house. Right. But I think Mike has sort of lost his mind, I think, is the idea here. Well, he's the now he's... just running into the house with, like, reckless abandon, fully I'm believing find that Josh, Josh is in this house. I think I, the idea, he has to believe that josh is there and they're gonna find he hears him. his voice because it if, has to be him. if it's not that it's like the end of the line for him to even like go on living <laughs> this is the part though where you're like why are they still filming oh i know they're both running around with cameras <laughs> well he's she's got like the handheld one right but he's got like the like the rig you know with the sound yeah right. because it's weird when it switches over to her feed and the sound is still in the basement and so right. her voice sounds far away I always yeah. thought that was kind of a cool little trick. Uh, it is, yeah. They run through the house. First they go upstairs. Then Mike runs to the basement. An unseen force attacks, and he drops his camera. Heather catches up, enters the basement screaming. Her camera catches Mike standing facing a corner. This ties back in with the Rust and Parr story. An unseen force attacks Heather, causing her to drop her camera too. Footage ends. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about the idea of there never being like a satisfying shot to see something. I think that at some point in a couple of different sequences, this last one in the house being one, but also maybe a couple of times in the woods at night, they could have dropped some sort of a jump scare on you if they would have done it right and fast enough so that you don't quite have time to like pick it apart what you're seeing. It could have blown the roof off of it. I think people would have freaked out. I'm talking like the people that were like hooked in oh, in right, the right. theater yeah. those first opening weekends when this movie was like hot and people were like freaking out during screenings. If you had the right jump scare in that sequence in the house, like I think people would have lost their minds. Yeah, I, I don't I know so, yeah. what exactly it would have been or how they would have done it in a way that didn't blow the whole deal, but I think you yeah, probably could have given us one little shot of something. It was going to be tough just with the budget they were working with because it's like they probably had to do something practical you know what i mean 
they weren't. It could have just been like a hand. Yeah. I mean, it didn't have to be anything. It just could, just something oh, unexpected, yeah. like out of nowhere. Now I'm picturing a hand. Yeah. Like coming out through the, <laughs> you know, like those windows, how black they are, yeah. how black they look, like when they're going through the house. Like if something would have just come in through that window for a second. Oh yeah. And then like the can, you know, the you, camera gets knocked in right. a way where you don't actually see it, so that it doesn't ruin anything. I don't know. I just think if they could have set up one little payoff at the end, it would have really been a home run they should have just had like a hand come over heather's camera at the end holy as, shit yeah like, and you're like cool. was it hers <laughs> <laughs> it we hit like, a boot yeah <laughs> where's the foot it would have been like inception though like, the top spinning at the end and you're like i did it take like kind of a hard dive like it's going down yeah well speaking of inception i just i was watching the dark knight rises on tv recently Ooh, okay. with my parents because it was just like on yeah and I was thinking, like, wouldn't it have been cool at the ending if when Alfred looks across and nods, if you don't actually see Batman and Oh, Catwoman? yeah, yeah. Like, you just have to assume. Right. I don't know. I mean, it's cool to see yeah. them together, Batman and Catwoman. Like, oh, you're like, oh, they're together now. But at the same time, if it would have been more like Inception where you're just kind of like, well, is he nodding at the, at Batman? Like, what what's going on? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm I thought that would have been cool, yeah. but maybe maybe even considered it, but was like, well, this is an inception. This needs to be a more normal ending. Yeah, really. All right, so that's the Blair Witch Project. We had two sequels after that. It sounds like maybe they're trying to get some sort of a TV project, which now might be a digital thing off the ground. I don't know why. I yeah, love the Blair Witch Project, like but I just don't... anything more to explore here. Not everything needs to be an endless franchise. In fact, most things don't. I, I would prefer it if there was much less of that. Yeah. Nothing like devalues the originals of anything. Like, I, I don't feel that way. But there is something that it's like, it does start to feel like it, you're watering down the existence yeah. of the first one. Especially when you try to add to the oh, narrative. retconning of the, it yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and just yeah. like changing stuff or adding to it. It's just, all right, we, we get it. To me... It's a movie that will always have a certain reputation because I'll remember when it first came out and sort of the aura around it and people kind of believing it, oh, which yeah. seems impossible to. Right. I know that's the crazy thing now. Yeah, but that is, you know, like I said, it wasn't like everyone believed it, and I don't think even close to a majority of people were actually believing it, but a few people definitely oh, believed yeah. it, and yep. that knowledge that some people believed it helped buy into the hype around it where you're like i don't believe this but it's sort of fun getting swept up in it as if it is real absolutely i know that the reputation of the movie i think has gone downhill just because people aren't in that mindset anymore and people seeing it for the first time are never gonna appreciate what it was like back then because there's not really anything about it that can hold up yeah it just yeah, is impossible absolutely yeah you kind of look back with fondness of that time period where this was able to kind of work, there was enough people that could buy into something like this. And of course, as we talked about the marketing campaign of it, you have to love what it represents in terms of the time period and just this approach to like making a movie and having it be such a success. You also have to consider what you were saying, which is you can view this movie as mostly the fear of getting lost in the woods. Oh yeah, and how and sort easily of like the, that can happen, and and like the sort of the psychological breakdown from that. Yeah. Now, if you want to like nitpick the acting portrayal of that, that you know whatever is your business, but I do think that that's something that's very relatable, whether or not you're going to buy into the hype of a witch in the woods or not. But 
yeah, I think it's easier to get lost than people think it is, especially if you are unprepared or oh, yeah. you're not even planning on camping out in the woods. And you're, you're just not on a walk, and right. then you lose track of where you are, if and you you're don't have a map or a compass. Taking it as seriously as you need to, I think like that's kind of yeah. The that's why like I just hubris. never right. go in the woods or the ocean because of sharks or oh, yeah. anywhere right ever. You're safe in here. Is it safe? Kind of. Yeah. I don't know. I worry about like gas leaks or something. That's true. <laughs> There's the always carbon something monoxide coming. detectors going off. <laughs> You're never safe. All right, let's do recommendations real fast. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. I just have one. Mine is going to be like almost a comeback of something that I'm sure people were really enthused about the last time I <laughs> oh, this is always good. recommended something like this. It's another Audible ordeal. And I'm now going to recommend the Pet Cemetery audiobook read by Dexter himself, Uh-oh. Michael C. Hall. Is it as great as Stephen Weber reading it? No, but it's very entertaining and it's a lot shorter than it. Okay, so, so you, you got that going through it, it faster. Yeah. I re-signed up for another free trial of Audible, and this time I think I'm going to keep it and get another oh. book next month. You know, I think I'm going to get a few Stephen King ones to listen to. Audible, uh, future sponsor for the show, potentially? <laughs> a future home of the yeah. show, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you can get, like, the Alan Partridge oh. podcast on Audible if you want. Anyway, that's my recommendation this week. If you're a fan of Stephen King and a fan of the Pet Cemetery stuff, I've read the book several times and watched the movie a bunch of times. And I still enjoyed the audiobook a lot. It's just fun sometimes hearing like a familiar story. I don't know how I would feel about a book that I had never read before. I feel like I would lose track of what's happening, maybe. But yeah, I well, I've because I've never read the It book and I've listened to some of it. It's almost I think it's harder to like. There's something about books and having like specific points where the words are ending and then like you're moving on to something else. Yeah. Whereas I feel like listening to a book, it like almost feels like everything just keeps kind of running on together. Well, they do break it up. He, he, yeah. He does like the chapters. Yeah. yeah. He'll say like one and stuff. That's your cue to hit pause. All I right, guess. All right. All right. What's your recommendation? So criterion, but not a criterion that I own. Oh boy. Watched for the first time the other day, streaming on Amazon prime. Also features in a scary ending that has someone facing a wall <laughs> don't look now with oh yeah donald sutherland and what's her name julie christie julie christie yeah, yeah. smoking hot in that kind movie. of a crazy movie a lot of weird shit in it i, I definitely wasn't able to like piece everything what is the together. part about someone facing a wall the, when he gets well i don't know if i should give it away yeah don't give it away never mind uh we'll yeah i'll talk about it about off mic <laughs> this movie is kind of famous for the the sex scene in it and right yeah. uh I, I will say it is awesome, like the way that it, not just because of the normal reasons we like sex scenes, but the way that they like kind of cut this all in with like this music. It's like interwoven of them like getting ready for dinner, like yeah. cut in between, you know, this moment of intimacy. And it is like really cool. There is a lot of cool shit in the movie. Like there's weird, freaky stuff in it. Yeah. But also kind of hard to piece it all together, too. But I, I liked it. It's definitely like a vibe movie because the actual oh, yeah. story and the conclusion is so bizarre and weird where you're just like, really like what right but yeah there's some like really disorienting and like kind of confusing and upsetting things in it that oh, yeah. like freak you out a little bit like the part where 
he thinks his wife is like left the city but then sees her on the, the boat. boat and then right. like later you realize yeah. what that is right. and you're like oh my god that's weird yeah it's a confusing weird movie i i've often considered it for this podcast so maybe one day we'll get to it there's a million oh, yeah. movies to get to so right. who knows but yeah don't look now is awesome and it is really strange so i would recommend people check it out rather than us try to like give anything away yeah. here that'll do it for the blair witch project i hope people who haven't seen it would give it a fair chance like i said you have to sort of put yourself in the mindset of what this would have yeah. been like Come at on. the time and everything but I can't say that I'm too disappointed that we've toned down the amount of found footage movies. I think it no, was getting a little I, out yeah. of control. Right. I, I some think are it's good, fine. some are bad, but... I think it's fine to do it every once in a while. I can't say that it ever like, excites me. Like Even if I see something that I, I feel like is kind of a new, cool take on it, I'm like, oh yeah. But it's still nothing that I'm ever like, I can't wait to see the next found footage movie. Yeah, I think they've sort of reached the point where there's not a whole lot more to to get out of it. Right. Anyway, that'll do it for this one. Follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Give us a rating and review. Let us know what you're thinking. We've got, what is it? Six more. That's right. Holy shit, people are like, enough already with this. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's not really any different from the regular show. We're just doing horror movies for a while. That's true. We still have some huge horror selections coming up. And it all caps off with episode 200. Wow. Believe it or not. All right. So we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for listening. In a coffee shop in a city, which is every coffee shop in every city, on a day, which is every day, I picked up a magazine, which is every magazine I read a story and then I forgot it right away and they say goldfish have no memory I guess their lives are much like mine and the little plastic castle is a surprise every time and it's hard to say if they're happy but they don't seem much to mind. Yeah. From the shape of your shaved head, I recognized your silhouette as you walked out. Of the sun and sat down. And the sight of your sleepy smile eclipsed all the other people as they paused to sneer at the two girls from out of town. And I said, Look at you this morning. You are by far the cutest, but be careful. Getting coffee. I think these people wanna shoot us. Or maybe there's some kind of local competition here to see who can be the rudest. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
my declining mind Like what I happen to be wearing The day that someone takes a picture Is my new statement For all of womankind And I wish they could see us now In leather bras and rubber shorts Like some ridiculous new team uniform for some ridiculous new sport quick someone call the girl police and, and file the report Hook was moonlighting as a handyman, he might replace his hook with what tool? A hammer. Try again. A penis. Tell me the age a kid is too old to sleep with a tent. What the <laughs> he said? <laughs> <laughs> 